2: Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Hour 2 of Southern California Live. Great to be with you today on this fine Friday before Labor Day weekend. It is Open Line Friday. <laughs> We'll take your call on any subject. You can change the topic to anything at all that's on your mind. It can be something in the news, something in the Bible, a Bible question. You can give me a call right now at 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. That is the number. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I got a couple of emails from you. I'll get to those here in just a few minutes. And uh, we'll take your calls as they come in. Did you watch the speech last night? We talked about that a little bit in the first hour. One of the, the points I made about it is, and, you know, I think most people agree that it wasn't really a, a unifying speech. We've talked about that on this show, that that's what I was afraid of, because I think we need that. I, need, I think we need uh, a president to take this moment where if you're acknowledging that we're so divided and we have so many problems, you've got to bring us together and uh the president uh i don't think he did that uh do you think he did that it was it uh uniting do you think it was uh, a necessary speech um some people i think it might have different opinions about that the number is 888 2557 there's some comments that he made in there i think maybe some of the big questions i've got some questions and earlier I pointed out that, that one of the problems, and something that we should remember as Christians, and if you didn't get the first hour of our program, you can always get it on the podcast. Just go to our radio station website and search for SoCal Live, and you can get the podcast right there. You can subscribe. If you ever miss an hour, you can check us out there. And I talked about the reason that a speech like this doesn't work. And the the reason is ultimately if you're going to make a speech which might be appropriate uh, about political violence or people who are denying election results and those kinds of things and to say it's threatening a democracy, that for the same reason that if you are the boss at your workplace and you need to bring something up to the – bring something to the attention of an employee or all the employees uh, and something that needs to be corrected – if you're doing it too, then you need to include that in your lecture. It's your job to say, hey, uh, we need to be coming back from lunch on time. But it is also your job, if you are also taking lunch for too long, you need to say, and I know I do this too, because your employees for sure know that your lunches are too long. They know. Um, and when you leave the room, they're rolling their eyes at you. You don't want that as a, as a leader. You, you want to make sure that your people respect you as a leader. It's an important thing. It's an important thing for all. Now, if you're the leader, you know, your your employees, even at a church, right? The senior pastor comes in and says a bunch of stuff and then leaves the room and uh, somebody's rolling their eyes. Uh, It's not okay. Um, But uh, because they're not the boss, right? And you're the boss, you got to you got to set things down. But if you are if you are saying a bunch of stuff that uh, is not that is you're guilty of, too, and you don't acknowledge that, then you're you're going to have some trouble. As Christians, one of the great things about our faith, if you're going to share your faith with somebody, one of the things that is primary that we have to do is let people know that we need a Savior too. That the reason for the hope that we have is that I don't have to earn my salvation. The reason for the hope that I have is that I don't have to be good enough. I need to be good because I'm going to obey Jesus, but I don't have to actually earn my salvation because I can't. I should follow Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, I need to obey his word. I need to be in his word so I know what it says, and then I need to obey him. Um, But a great part about sharing your faith is that you don't have to say that you're smarter than anybody else. You don't have to say that somehow you are better. You have this great equalizer that says, all fall short of the glory of God. You have this great position where your position is not higher than the person you're sharing the gospel with your position is the same. I had a conversation with a chaplain who worked for the uh, British Navy and, uh, it was at a United States Naval commissioning service that I was part of. And those are great. If you ever get to go to one of those, if you are in the Navy or in the military, uh, in any, any branch, you know, the ceremonies are, are fantastic. They're just done so well. Um, And so I was at this one, and this was for another uh, United States Navy chaplain. And the British Navy chaplain was there, and we got in a conversation, and I said, what's your rank? Because if you are a United States Navy chaplain, you are a captain. That's your rank. You know, it's a little controversial because maybe you didn't really, you know, earn that from a leadership perspective, but that's how it works. And uh, it's not exactly, you know, the leadership role that would be another captain, but it's important. And I said, how's it work in the British Navy? He said, well, no, we, we, what we do as a chaplain is that we assume the rank of the person we're speaking to. And he said, so if I'm talking to a captain, well, then I am a captain. He said, but if I'm talking to a lieutenant, then I'm a lieutenant. If I'm talking to a private first class, then I am a private first class. He, and he just kind of went down the the rank of all these different things. And I said, so does that mean when you're a general that you're a general? And he got this little quirk on his face. He goes, well, technically, yes, but we never say that, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, But I really liked this idea that said, you know, when we're talking about matters of faith, we, in in that case, he's not placing himself as a superior officer. And the analogy, you know, may not work in in certain ways, but that's a great thing about our our faith is that when we're sharing our, our faith with somebody, we don't have to communicate that somehow uh, I'm smarter than you because I've figured out how to get saved. We get to say, you know what, I'm saved because God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whoever believes in him, and I'm a whoever and you're a whoever, um, has eternal life, will not perish, but have everlasting life. And that matters a lot. And in our conversations with people, when we are, especially if we're confronting wrongdoing, it matters a lot to acknowledge our own failure when we have them. And that's what the president missed. We went into that in a lot more detail. But by talking about the MAGA Republicans, which he hasn't really defined very well, the the problem is, is if, if they're the bad guys, and then he says, well, not all of them are the bad guys. Today, he actually said, no, I don't think any of them are the bad guys, and which sort of isn't exactly what he said last night. Um, But that's probably because people said, hey, you know, this didn't come across well. Um, When he says this and he talks about political violence, which he said, and he condemned political violence. But when he is making it really clear that he seems to think it's only coming from one side and he's ignoring the bombings and burnings down recently of crisis pregnancy centers, the threats to life that are spray painted on the walls, the, the assassination attempts on Supreme court justices, when he ignores, uh, the, the political violence that we have faced in so many different ways, the last several years that is left wing, not right wing. Um, it's not going to come across as unifying. It's not going to come across as genuine. It's going to come across very badly, which is, I think what happened. Um, and so it just raises some other, other questions. I've got questions like, is, is this just political? And I'll make a point here. And I think for, for all of us, whatever side you're on with different things, what are the election issues that we really should be voting on this fall? What are they? Um, the number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation here on Southern California Live. Can I remind you that the the issues that are in a place where people are really hurting our inflation, which has a lot to do with government spending. And both sides are guilty of spending too much and we keep spending. And what we're saying now is, well, we're spending less than we, than we did in 2020. Uh, That's right. Because in 2020 we had to spend a whole bunch of money to get through the pandemic. But if you take the pandemic out, we're, we're spending like a drunken sailor. That's what uh, some people say. I don't know why a sailor has to be drunken, but uh we are spending like do drunken sailors go out and just spend a bunch of money is there just some where does that come from I should look that up does anybody know that is anybody listening who's a drunken sailor do you just like spend all of your money uh you know what I'm thinking about this and maybe it's because you get into port somewhere and uh you go and spend all of your money when you're in a port I don't know um the, the inflation is hurting people it hurts people who can no longer afford the gas gas is is cheaper now than it was a couple months ago. I filled up yesterday for $4 and 95 cents, uh, which is funny because I felt good about $4 and 95 cents. Uh, it's still what a a whole dollar, a whole 70 cents, something more than it was a year ago. Um, and a year ago, I was horrified by spending four four 425. Now it's 495 and I'm feeling good about it. It's funny how that works. Um, what is, you know, what are the election issues that we should be there? should be talking about schools. The report came out yesterday about how far behind kids are in school, especially inner city schools, how damaging the, not the pandemic, the pandemic didn't cause that, the policies caused that. The fear caused that. Um, that's part of it. There are the, the issue of should parents be involved in the discussions of kids taking puberty blockers or other medications of different kinds? Should parents be a part of that? I think they should. Should, be, should kids be taught pornography or other sexual things as young as uh, three years old in schools? And should parents be a part of that conversation? You bet they should. And I'm telling you that because there are, there are so many things wrong, but there's something that is still true today. And it's something I think that we are missing And a lot of this focus on the president and focus on Donald Trump and focus on all of those things. What we're missing is that politics still is very local. And it's not that those issues aren't things that people should care about. But at the end of the day, most of the things that are affecting your life, the things that are affecting your kids, it starts at the local school board. It starts at the county level. It starts at the city level. And these are the elections we hardly pay attention to. These are the elections that we do not get involved in. We're getting involved more, and I think that's good. Don't be distracted by these things. You know, a cynical person, when I ask, you know, why why this speech now? The network TV didn't carry it. I think it's because they realized it was a political speech and not kind of a national address, actually, which is what it was. It was, I'm going to criticize my opponents, and I'm going to say they're bad, and then I'm going to tout my what I think are my accomplishments. But there wasn't anything in there other than a couple of throwaway lines about really coming together. And the network said, "Ah, we can't do that. That, you know, we might have to give the other side time, or there's maybe some rules, or maybe we just don't want to do that to our audience. Um, whatever their reasons were, that's part of it. Um, but the other side of it is why do this now? I'll tell you why politically. And I said this in, I said this in 2020, that the result of the election in 2020 was going to be this. It was going to come down to this very thing. If the election is about issues, Donald Trump will win if the election is about Donald Trump, he's going to lose, and that was the gamble that the Democrats made with Biden. They stuck him in his basement. He hardly ever came out and uh, they did everything about Donald Trump and his personality and mean tweets and the things that he says uh and and does and uh I think that had a big, big part of it, and I think that's what's happening now. I think you know if the if the election coming up is about the issues of the day, then I think we'll elect better people if it's about donald trump or about things that are far away in washington or if it's about biden's speech or other stuff you know and by saying about that i mean is that what the advertisements are is that what is um you hear from candidates candidates who are going to talk about that a whole lot and they're not talking about inflation or crime or homelessness or these things they're going to lose uh that's what's going to happen and then those issues will just get worse And if we keep blaming people 3000 miles away for problems that actually are are a lot more uh, serious by the people who are here really being decided by people who are local, um, that's not good. And I think as as believers to to try to push through the partisanship on stuff, I think that there's a lot that we actually agree on left and right, maybe not far left and far right. okay, but I think that that old school Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives whatever label you put on it, I'll bet that on 80% of things, we could actually find a, a solution and solve it if we did things locally. That's an opinion that I have. You can agree or disagree. You're welcome to call 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Robert in LA, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Hi, Robert. Uh, I wanted to say that whoever...
2: Uh, the Republicans uh, have uh, running against the Democrats that we should vote for them because of the border. It's uh, just the border alone that's unsecured. And what we see on the news every day of the uh, fentanyl, the drugs that's coming over and all the people that are not just Mexican or South American, but from all over the world, and we don't even know who they are. They could be terrorists. And uh, the uh, President Biden and all of the Democrats in power are not doing anything about it.
1: All right. So you would say that one of the issues in the election is uh, the border uh, for all yes, those reasons. One that of you the gave. major,
2: uh, for me, it's a major yeah. because of the safety of our country.
1: All right, I appreciate that, uh, Robert. And you know what? The border issue is connected with a lot of different things, with the fentanyl, which is terrible. What was it? We learned also this week that the uh, the average lifespan has been declining for a while. It declined a lot because of COVID. But next to that, it's suicide and drug overdose that have increased dramatically in the last three or four years, and it's a big deal. You know, the the border. This is an issue. I'll give you an example. This is an issue where I think that 80% of us probably could find a solution. I'll bet that if we, and I'll give you the the cynical side of politics here. The cynical side to me is that actually the sides politically don't want to solve the border issue. And the reason they don't is both sides make a lot of money on it. And they make a lot of money through fundraising letters. And if you solve the issue, then you got to make money somewhere else. And that's hard to do. I think and this is simplistic, okay, I realize that, there's a whole lot of issues, you have border issues of people coming over, you also have an issue of compassion, you have an issue, I think, from a Christian standpoint of of love for people who are poor, people who are oppressed, you have, you know, these governments down there are generally terrible, Costa Rica may be the best exception, Richard uh, or Robert mentioned that there are people from all over the world, that's true, that it isn't just Central Americans and people from Mexico coming across. It's people from around the world. There's a pipeline that takes people from a lot of impoverished or um, countries where they are legitimately oppressed by their government. If you can raise the money, you get out of there, and you, go, you end up in Brazil, typically, and then you work your way up. If you've worked with refugees and people, there's a, there's a lot of people from a lot of places who are, in a good way, I think, coming to America— Because we are the beacon of hope for still around the world with all the problems and all the things we complain about. This is the country where people are trying to get to. And that's what a lot of people want. Now, in the midst of that are people who have criminal intent. I know it's illegal to cross the border. okay, but I'm talking about people who are in gangs or people who are selling drugs or people who are doing bad things and the potential for terrorists. I would add that the one terrorist that we really caught – remember the guy a few years ago who wanted to blow up the space needle in Seattle? He came over the Canadian border. Um, I think we need to control both borders uh, for that very reason. But I I think that we could easily actually agree. This is where I think we would agree. You can call and tell me if you disagree. I think that we could agree left and right to control both borders but come with a very simple – plan for inviting people to come. Uh, That's what we used to do. We stuck uh, the Statue of Liberty out there and we brought people in and we processed people in Ellis Island and we asked them who they are. We we gave them a medical examination. We quarantined them if they're sick. There's a whole lot of things that, um, you know, I would worry that is somehow going to be banned today. But that's, you could have a, you really could. I think if 80% of us were really in charge, I think you could solve that issue. I think you could close the border completely to people sneaking in who shouldn't be here for people who have legitimate claims for asylum. I think you could have an actual process for that. We've had that before in our country. We have that now. We just don't follow up with it correctly. Uh, I also think we should be as a government. I think our government should be investing a lot more in putting a lot more attention in rooting out the violence and the corruption in Central America And that gets a little more sticky. I understand that. Um, I think that if we're going to ship jobs outside of the country, which hopefully we're not, I know some are coming back, that's good. But if they're going to be shipped out of the country, more of them should stay in this hemisphere because the real solution to all of this is you make Central America and uh, Mexico in particular, really good places where you can have a really good wage and live and you don't want to leave where there is opportunity, where there is a place where there's a middle class. Um, there's a lot more we could do for that. And for churches, regardless of which side of the border people end up on, there's a massive humanitarian need. People need the gospel, people need food, people need water supply, uh, water systems. Uh, There is tremendous missionary need that you can just drive to. I think that there's a way. I think when we talk about those things, I think you can do both. I think you can control the border, and I think you can be humanitarian. I think you can resolve a lot of the poverty issues or start to address them in a way that's beneficial in all directions. I think that's possible. I think most Americans would would agree with that in principle. I really do. Do you agree or disagree? See, I think that's why a lot of our, our, our local stuff, we need candidates who are... Um, not just trying to fundraise on the fringe of things. We need candidates who want to resolve things in both parties. And the only way to do that is Republicans have to elect those people, and Democrats have to elect those people, and you have to do it in your own party. And um, I think that's possible. I think that's happened at different eras, and I think that's something to pray for. That's something to think about for our country. And for the church, you know, we need to be concerned about people's health, their spiritual life, the people who are in poverty. We are are called to those people. And uh, if you've ever been to a mission trip right here in this hemisphere, um, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good that we can do. And uh, it helps. It helps in all of these areas. Most importantly, people come to Christ, which we need to be about. All right, i got to take a break. It's open phone Friday, so anything you want to talk about, you can give me a call. 888-528-2557 is the number. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live, and I'll be back in just a moment as the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues.
2: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at two one three. 537-3812.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow. It is Open Phone Friday. Anything that you would like to talk about today, you can give me a call. 888-528-2557 is the phone number. 888-528-2557. You can also email me at SoCalLive at com. I know a lot of people can't get away from uh, their computers or work, but they want to... uh, uh, go ahead and send an email. And some of you have done that. I've, I've got a couple. There's one I'm working on an answer for. I'll probably get to it in the next segment because I got, a I think, a fun answer to it. Robert wrote a question about kind of wondering who the MAGA Republicans are. The president kept referring to MAGA Republicans. And maybe I, I realized that maybe people don't know what that is. I probably had to figure that out. It's the acronym for Make America Great Again. Okay, M-A-G-A, MAGA, that's what that is. Uh, he said he had to Google it. And uh, Robert, I got an answer for you here. In uh, maybe we'll get to that in the next segment uh, when we can. I appreciate that. And uh, Barbara writes this. She says, Scott, would you please explain your interpretation of of Ezekiel three twenty? Um, it's always a exciting time to, when somebody wants you to interpret Ezekiel. Uh, that's Ezekiel is one of those books where when you uh, do your Bible reading, you say I'm going to read the Bible and you read all the way through it. And, you know, Ezekiel is where. You go to die with your New Year's resolution uh, sometimes. Um, don't die. Just keep pushing through it. You don't have to understand all of it. Just just get through it. The parts you understand will be great. You can go back and study. And you know certain things, we know exactly what they mean, actually. They're not hard. Other things are harder to understand. Uh, Ezekiel 3.20, it says, Again, when a righteous person turns from their righteous and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before them, they will die. Since you did not warn them, they will die for their sin. The righteous things that a person did will not be remembered, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. Um, That is, uh, you know, taken by itself. It's a hard verse, but in in the context of it, there's a few things to keep in mind. Uh, Number one, the big picture. Oh, here's the question. So the question that Barbara asks is, uh, if I do not warn a person that is falling away from their faith in the Lord and is blatantly sinning, uh, I am to witness to him to turn him from his wicked way. If I do not do this, their blood will be on our hands. Does this mean their salvation? Uh, you know, I can see how you would read it that way. Um, you know, first of all, a person does not get saved because, or even unsaved, uh, or not get salvation because of their... the. You can't lose your salvation because you decided to unearn it. If you can't earn it in the first place, uh, you're not going to be able to unearn it, okay? If you're saved, you're saved. That's what I believe. Now, some people aren't really saved, and that's that's a huge deal, by the way, in our Christian culture today is that when you really get down to the nitty-gritty and ask people you know, what they believe about Christ— um, you'd be surprised how many people aren't really saved. I've, I've told the story before, but I had a, a woman in my church who was in her 90s who one day in a Sunday school class asked me to explain the gospel. And she was very serious. And she was contemplating, contemplating the end of her life. And I said, you've been a Christian your whole life. You have been, I said, how many Easter sermons have you heard? Is what I said. You've heard 70 or 80 Easter sermons and you don't know what the gospel is. And I believe she didn't, and I believe she was asking very very seriously, and she was in church every week for her whole life. And people who knew her knew that she had some, some views, you know, that were skew on some different things, and people have been praying for her for a long time. I think that uh, she got saved because she heard the gospel. She immediately changed. I mean, I was stunned in the years after that her comments to sermons and Bible readings were were so much better. And then whenever she passed away, her funeral was fantastic as far as spiritual things. And you never would have guessed that 10 years before. Um, and it goes to say that, you know, there's a lot of people who are going to church who are in the routine of it. And maybe maybe you think you're saved because you said a prayer with somebody one time about Jesus. and And for some reason, what came across to you was that if I just say these magic words, I'm saved. That there's some kind of statement that I need to make, and if I say these words, that is enough. You actually have to believe those words. Um, You have to believe that Jesus is the Savior, that you can't save yourself, that you need Jesus Christ. You call out to God for salvation. The answer is Jesus, Um, and he saves you. You didn't save yourself. You can't earn your salvation. You should do good works. And you should do those things because you love Jesus and you should grow in your faith, but you don't have to do it by yourself. You have the Holy Spirit who's going to produce fruit in you. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, meaning that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness, those things are going to, you can grow in those areas, but you don't have to do it by yourself. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You have supernatural help in growing in all of those areas. Uh, It's not the, the fruit of what can I accomplish on my own. It's not the fruit of self-help. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And, you know, that's part of the Christian life. And you, you follow Jesus in this life. You love people and you, you be a witness to your faith. You be prepared to give a reason for the answer that you have. You got to know those reasons. And so I would, I would just, you know, ask you out there even to ask yourself, do I really believe this stuff or do I just go to church because um, I've always gone to church? Uh, what is the real belief, anyway, getting the Old Testament here, this passage here is written specifically about ezekiel's task as a as a watchman we 're talking about a time in Israel where Jesus had not come. the Messiah had not yet come, and uh there was still an expectation to obey the law still in the old testament you're saved by faith you're you 're saved by the faith that the Word of God is going to be true, that there will be a Messiah and that's what we believe ultimately saves people in the Old Testament faith, as well as the New Testament. But if if you're worried about this, I think that your your duty as a Christian person who knows that person is to point out their sin. We are to do that to each other privately. Um, Jesus tells us this in Matthew 18. There's a time to bring in other people. Just read Matthew 18, it'll explain that. Uh, There are scriptures about why we we build each other up, and we do call out each other's sin. We do that in grace. We do that inside the church. And Paul tells us in Corinthians that uh, we're spending too much time worried about the sins of people who are outside of the church. We need to do them for uh, the people who are inside the church. And you go ahead and call them out. But what it's it's not holding you personally responsible for their uh, Barbara for them not repenting. You know, I think that you should say something. I think you should. Let them know that they need to repent. But if you if you don't and they don't repent, or you know if they don't repent, um, their salvation is between them and Jesus. Okay, that they're not going to get, they're not going to uh, not be saved, um, and it's not gonna it's not gonna be your fault. Does that make sense? They're responsible, ultimately. Now, Jesus might say, hey, this person was in your life, and you didn't uh, bring it up to them. When you're standing before Jesus, you're still saved, because you don't don't lose your salvation because you missed an opportunity, okay? Jesus will review our lives. I think that's going to happen. I think that you should be in prayer for this person that you're thinking of, that in a loving way, you should say, hey, what you're doing is against the Lord. I'm concerned that you have walked away from the Lord. And you should do that as a believer. I think that is important. Um, and I think you should stay in prayer. But sometimes people have to be prodigal for a while. You should be available to be like the dad in that prodigal son story and rejoice when they come back and welcome them in with grace. Lots of people come back. Sometimes they don't come back till they've gone out and gotten a bunch of wounds. But you come back. So that that would be my the best way I could... I could answer that question here just kind of on the fly. Uh, I hope that's helpful. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. It is open phone Friday, and uh, you can call with any subject you want. Bible questions, something about the news, something in the news. There's a few things in the news people like to talk about today. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. All right, I told you that uh, another email came socal live at kkla.com um robert robert wrote this about the maga republicans he didn't know what that was the president um was repeating that line about maga republicans he's been doing that for several days that was a big part of uh his speech this is what he says i
0: want to be very clear very clear up front uh... not every republican i want to be very clear Very clear up front. <clears throat> not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans, are MAGA Republicans.
1: So, what Robert is saying is, who are the MAGA Republicans? Right? What does that even mean? Um, and uh, MAGA means make America great again M A G A. It's like what's on those red hats that Donald Trump handed out. You know, a statistic I'll give you one. I like the inside of politics. Uh, whenever Donald Trump won in 2016, Donald Trump spent about the same money on Make America Great Again hats as Hillary Clinton did on focus groups. And uh, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? The focus groups probably weren't saying the right things. But the Make America Great Again hat was a gimmick, uh, and it worked. Uh, Biden continued with, with this.
0: Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology.
1: He didn't explain exactly what that is. I'm still unclear what the president thinks that is.
0: I know Because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans.
1: So maybe if you're not a mainstream Republican, but I still don't know what the president thinks is a mainstream Republican. Is a mainstream Republican somebody who didn't vote for Donald Trump? Is a mainstream Republican uh, somebody who doesn't have one of those hats? Uh, You know, that's – I wish he would have given an example of what he means. I think maybe what he means is, you know, people who went into the Capitol on January 6th, but uh, that's not really a lot of people – you know relatively speaking to be given the the speech to
0: but there's no question that the republican party today is dominated driven and intimidated by donald trump and the MAGA republicans and that is a threat to this country
1: all right so that's what he was getting at with the uh, MAGA republicans here's something i'm going to do when we get back i'm going to play some clips about make america great again who would you say came up with that Uh, Donald Trump in 2019 says he made it up, but I'm going to tell you right now, he did not. He might think he made it up. It's kind of an obvious thing, you know, to say, Uh, but he did not make that up and he was not the first person to use it. And I'm going to play you a couple of clips when we get back in just a couple of moments. This is Southern California Live. It's open phone Friday. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Southern, as uh, the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues.
2: Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. It's Labor Day weekend. Hopefully you are doing something fun, getting out of town, staying home, staying cool mostly wherever you're going and uh, staying healthy with all of that. And I hope that you are having a good weekend. And if you're working this weekend, you got some things to do, you know what? I hope that that is pleasant and you get some other day off to make up for the holiday. This is Southern California Live. It's Open Phone Friday. We have a few minutes left. You can call with anything that's on your mind. An issue of the day, Bible questions, some comments you want to make. The number is 888-528-2557, 888 888-528- 528 2557. Before the break, we were responding to Robert's email. You can email me at socallive at kkla.com. Robert was said that when President Biden in his speech last night kept saying MAGA, he had to Google it. Um, and I can understand that. I, I suppose a lot of people wouldn't know that MAGA Republican, that MAGA is make America great again. That's Donald Trump's slogan. That's what you see on the red hats that he would hand out and that people would wear. Um, and and we talked before the break about how President Biden isn't really explaining who he means by that. He says it's not all Republicans. Well, how many is it? Is it uh, everybody who voted for Trump? Is it, is it 35 million? Because that's not half. He said it's not even half or something like that. Um, and uh, he, he, he really needs to clarify that. But um, this is uh, something I always find interesting in politics. It's Donald Trump. It's a funny thing because Donald Trump says – that he coined Make America Great Again, that he came up with that. He says he came up with it in 2014. Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, uh, claims that Donald Trump stole it from him. Um, neither one of those things is ultimately – well, Donald Trump might have stolen it from him. I don't know. Probably not. Uh, I think that was probably always his thing, but it's not his. Uh, in fact, Make America Great Again, it's a kind of an obvious thing to say, especially if you're running at a time when the economy's bad or something. Uh, Ronald Reagan had that on some buttons in 1980 when he was running against uh, Jimmy Carter. Make America Great Again. It made sense. Uh, But you know who used it a lot? I'm going to give you two people who have used Make America Great Again as their campaign slogan and who didn't use it all the time but used it for part of the time. And I've got it on recording here. And both of these people have the same last name. Uh, You ready for the first one? This is president. He wasn't president yet, but during his 1991 speech where he launched his campaign to run for president, this is soon to be president, Bill Clinton.
0: I believe that together we can make America great again.
1: Bill Clinton used that all the time. We're going to make America great again. We're going to make America. He used it all the time. It was his thing. And I often wonder, did Trump steal that from Bill Clinton, actually? Now, another Clinton used that same slogan. And I can't find a clip of her saying it, but I do have a clip of him saying it. In 2008, when Hillary Clinton ran against Barack Obama in the Democratic primary, that's what they used to say. And this is from a Hillary commercial from 2008. Bill Clinton is voicing the commercial. Time to make America great again. I know Hillary's the one who can do it. Paid for by Hillary Clinton for president. I'm
0: Hillary Clinton, candidate for president, and I approve this message.
1: There you go. So, uh, you know, uh, maybe there's MAGA Democrats too. Maybe uh, you just. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, politics is so weird. I think that's, you know, one of the reasons to get involved too is that I think it helps us relax. A little bit more just to know there's a lot of back and forth and people say stuff. And as as nasty as things are right now, um, they've been nasty before. Uh, If you want to go study an election, I think it's 1824. It's John Quincy Adams against Andrew Jackson. Very nasty. Lots of politics. Uh, Lots of dirty stuff. And they said horrible things about each other. It was really horrible, uh, the things that they said about each other. The stuff about Andrew Jackson was probably true. Actually, the stuff about John Quincy Adams wasn't, but it was nasty. It was uh, it's part of it. And that that isn't to say it's good. But, you know, when you when you've lived through it or when you see it in history, I think it helps us not be so afraid. I don't like the rhetoric that we're hearing now that this is the end of our democracy. Um, you know, there are some things that we need to address for sure in our democracy. I am concerned about the country and everything, but we've been here before. Um, we had a civil war that could have been the end of everything. And that was awful. And it makes me nervous that so many people are throwing that out there, uh, like this is some kind of option. And, um, I don't know what we're going to do in just like different states. I think that maybe what's going to happen is we're going to divide a lot into states. That's where people are, are moving, uh, into different states in a way. That's the way the states are kind of designed that it's okay for states to have different views on different things and that's why there's different states so in a way we're just dealing with that in our history but it is um tr- you know i think we overstate an awful lot uh, i think that what happened on january 6th in that riot was super bad i don't think it was going to overthrow the government what are they going to do if, if if a bunch of people take over the capital does that mean they run the army now No, it's just, it's the weirdest thing, I think, to, uh, you know, I'm not softening what people did, but it's, I think we just need to step back and take a deep breath on a lot of this stuff. We need to condemn violence in every way, political violence. We need to take a look at the violence that we've got in our streets, some terrible, terrible stories going on, and we need to deal with that. We need to deal with it through the justice system and make the changes and vote the way that we we should to help those things work we need to acknowledge when there are problems uh, and deal with those things and not support that you know whatever your whatever side you're on on some different things there are people on both sides hopefully a small number of people but a number of people we're mentioning who do support political violence in different ways it doesn't work Uh, You should study nonviolence from a biblical perspective, what that means when Jesus talks about it. Jesus, I don't think Jesus was a pacifist at all, but he certainly was nonviolent. Nonviolence is an idea that uh, says that we can resolve things a different way. It's, It's the reason that Martin Luther King is revered. There were a lot of other civil rights leaders. Some of them had very good things to say and made a lot of really good points, but some of them were, most of them, I don't know, I shouldn't say most, but some of them were promoting violence and that does not ultimately do well for you um, when you're promoting nonviolence, what happens is is that when violence then is done to you but you don't do violence in return eventually the world has to notice and the world finds out who the bad guys are and the bad guys are the ones doing the violence that's what happens And when both sides are doing violence, well, then everybody's the bad guy. That's kind of how the the public opinion works on this issue. But when one side isn't, whatever the side is, whatever group isn't, uh, and the other side is, you have to come to terms with that. The world had to come to terms with the white police and leaders turning the fire hoses on uh, black people marching in uh, the parade in Selma and the protest and nobody fighting back, you couldn't ignore that. You couldn't say, well, yeah, but they did this. You couldn't. It's a powerful thing, turning the other cheek when you're doing it in the the sense of scripture. It's not uh, wimpy. It is not unmanly. It is not um, letting yourself get rolled over and beat up. It is a tactic. You know, there's nothing that says you shouldn't defend yourself if you are being attacked by by somebody. There are you know, reasons to do that, of course. And I think that there are legitimate reasons why countries go to war. All of it is because of sin, and it's something that will be wiped out, and there are reasons that governments go to war, and, and God holds governments accountable for all of that. All that is is part of things. But, you know, it is something that when uh, you're thinking about the frustration that you might have about things in our government, things in our country today— um, there are really good tactics that are biblical to really show what the evil is. And there's a lot of evil. Uh, there is evil that's happening to our kids. We talk about that a lot. If you want to focus, you know, what I'm worried about is people getting focused on the wrong thing in their elections and it just becomes D's and R's and we're not paying attention to the homeless crisis, the drug crisis, the fentanyl, the stuff going on in our schools, particularly the the teaching of um pornography or sexual things to little kids, the movement to remove parents from the medical decisions of kids. There's a lot of things that are very local that are the issue, and I think most people agree with. Don't be distracted by some of these stuff. Don't be violent. Vote. Make a good argument. Don't be hypocritical. If your side's doing it too or your side's doing something else, you know, acknowledge that. That's okay. Uh, in fact, it's necessary to move forward and be persuasive in every part of our life. I think we can learn a lot by recognizing what's not being done well by some of our leaders and do those well in our own life and our own inter- interactions and run those through the lens of scripture, which explains all of it. It's all there. All right, everybody, we are going to have a uh, Labor Day weekend. Our show will be on on Labor Day. So I encourage you to listen. We're on every day. This is Southern California live. We're on every day, Monday through Friday, from three to five, and uh, you will hear us on the weekends on a replay, and so we are excited about that. If you ever miss an hour of our program and you want to get the podcast and you want to follow us each and every day, go to your radio station website and look for SoCal Live. You can put that in the keyword box, SoCal Live, or put Scott Furrow in there, and you will find our site And uh, you can pick up an hour that you missed. If there's something you think, uh, hey, I got a friend who should hear this, you can copy that, send them the link uh, on your uh, social media or your email or however you want to do it. And uh, we appreciate that, of course. And uh, we love it. And uh, I got to tell you, it's an honor to be with you each and every week. And I hope that this weekend you get some rest. Uh, On Monday, we're going to talk about work and what work is. It's Labor Day, right? So we're going to talk about some values about work. And I think uh, you'll enjoy that. We talked about Proverbs early. We're going to do it in Proverbs. we got some really good Proverbs about work, and that should encourage you. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I will see you again on Monday. God bless you. Have a fun and safe weekend, Labor Day weekend. God bless. I'll see you Monday